Welcome to Volt Foss with Anna Taylor and Eric Summerlot. Join us as we dive deep into the questions we often forget to ask and search for the answers. Why does our society neglect its most vulnerable? Why do we place such importance on man-made concepts? What can we do to chart a course to a brighter future? It's time to break free from the traditional and create a new world of love and acceptance along the way. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Episode two of Volt Foss. I'm here with my good friend, Eric. We've been chatting now for a few hours and for some reason didn't record any of it. Well, we probably shouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> wait, no. That <laughs> given, our, <laughs> given our topic of the day, that probably doesn't sound great. But uh, <laughs> We're talking about sex. That's yeah. what the topic is. <laughs> That is the topic. More specifically, sexual identity, sexual experience, I guess, uh, and just kind of the emphasis that we have placed on it for some mm-hmm. unknown reason. All the boundaries and barriers. Boundaries and barriers are healthy, but like in regards to identity and spectrum and all that, it's kind of not really necessary, I don't really think. But yeah. Here we go. As Eric said, let's talk about sex, baby. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite subjects. Let's talk about labels. Yeah. And how they can be helpful and detrimental to our sexual growth as human yeah. beings. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I personally have gone through a few labels. I'm not a big fan. I mean, I, I think it's great in the sense of finding community, I guess, with a label. But at the same time... To me, sexuality is so fluid and really mm-hmm. is a, it really is a spectrum. So it's like, why put yourself in a box? When I first came out, I came out um, when I was... Oh, man. I guess the first time I low-key came out, I was like 20. But I, I was confused and didn't really know what the fuck was going on. Mm-hmm. Um but I came out as pansexual to a few people just because I liked, I I I felt like bisexuality was still too scary. It was too like real to admit, and not not to down on people who identify as pansexual. I think that's great and it's a valid valid identity. I think it just for me it was kind of like an easy way to segue into the community without going full in. And then <clears throat> I had some pretty pretty traumatic experiences with uh who was a good friend of mine at the time who we kind of had weird gray areas of boundaries and it was a very controlling and manipulative experience that kind of made me finally be like okay here it is because it was kind of used against me in the sense that I wasn't clear what my sexuality was mm-hmm. so I took to Facebook like most of us do mm-hmm. and put a little heart picture up and said, hey, bitches, I'm bi. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, like, and and had overwhelmingly good uh, reactions with that. But even that I've kind of, I've kind of strayed away from, like, I, it's just, it's so hard, even with bisexuality, because you have, you're either not straight enough or you're mm-hmm. too straight, 
if girls are afraid you're going to leave them for a guy, guys mm-hmm. are afraid you're going to leave them for a girl, girl or mm-hmm. they're like, hey, let's have a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's shitty and it, and it kind of sucks. And uh, so, I, I mean, queer just works the best for me just because there's no... Who knows what it means at this yeah. point, you know, yeah. like, and, and as our friend Steph said, you know, queer is kind of a political identity. When you look mm-hmm. at the queer movement, there's just so much that has been done. And I think it's hard to categorize gay, straight, lesbian, blah, blah, blah. It, I just personally, I think you feel similarly, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. Just to go back to what she said just a second ago. How many times has it worked when a guy said you're bi, so let's have a threesome? Let me just guess that. Great big zero. Zero. Goose fucking goose egg. So stop doing this. Yeah. It's weird. (laughs) Unless you have like two already consenting parties who are like, hey, I want to bang. Don't ask for a threesome. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Like, unless you are in a relationship and they're like, yeah, let's find a third person. Mm -hmm. Don't just go asking people. Mm -hmm. And as as a queer woman... It is so annoying <laughs> to be constantly asked for threesomes. If I wanted to fuck my friends, I'm not going to say I have the best game in the world, but I'm a lovely person. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to fuck my friends, I would be fucking them. They wouldn't come for your ugly little dick over there, Chad, mm-hmm. for a mm-hmm. threesome. Yep. They would just be banging me, okay? Yep. Like, let's get yep. it straight right now. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's it kind of goes to... Something that I wanted to touch on is uh, there's this idea, especially in the male psyche in America, of sex as a sort of possession mm-hmm. or an experience that you're getting at the expense of somebody else. And mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of what feeds into that yeah. sort of question is it's not viewed as an enjoyable act for three people to engage in. Right. It's viewed as a way for a man to put two marks on his mm-hmm. uh, rifle stock at the same time. Because most men aren't looking for a threesome with another man and a mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. Most of them are looking for, oh, I, yeah, I had a threesome with two girls, yeah. so that makes me more macho. It yeah. goes back to toxic masculinity, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're spot on. It's, it is weird. It's a weird possessive victory mm-hmm. Thing that mm-hmm. we need to get rid of. Yeah, well, and it's not healthy. Um, it's not healthy for the people that are subjected to it. And I don't want to decenter those folks, but I just want to speak to men kind of directly. It's not healthy for us either. Right. It leads to skewed ideas of what's acceptable in and out of the bedroom. It leads to skewed ideas of what's acceptable for our setting of our boundaries. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I don't want to minimize the much more devastating effects that it has on our non-male comrades, but it's not healthy for the oppressor either. It changes us as well, and just to be you know, very frank, the sex that I was having as an uneducated, not very feminist man pales in comparison to the sex that I have now as far as open, communicative, Mm -hmm. uh, kind, loving, even if it's not between a lover and I, uh, intercourse between two human beings. Mm -hmm. And it turns it from being a one-up game or a race to orgasm to 
shared experiences that you can look back with no shame. You can mm-hmm. look back with uh, sort of a sense of accomplishment rather than, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Right. You know, it's not about winning somebody over and I'd like to even start, let's move away from some of these ideas that, uh, you know, were the idea of like pickup artists mm-hmm. or male attraction specialists, this idea of you're going to fool somebody into having sex with you. Right. It's gross. Uh, it, it's, it is. And let's call it what it is. It's rape apology. It's part of what makes the culture where women aren't believed the culture where women aren't believed. Mm-hmm. It's these things reproduce themselves not just through the actions, but through people's words and phrasings and how they view their own sexual relationship and the sexual relationships of people around them. So we talked a little bit earlier about uh, identity and how you felt sort of uncomfortable in assigning yourself. That speaks to me kind of what I'm saying right now. We generate these things through the words that we use to discuss them. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to some of the scales of sexual orientation, I'm a bi man. I have a great distaste for that word, bisexual. Uh, I don't think it fully encapsulates Mm -hmm. my sexuality. I don't think it really does justice to me as an individual. Mm -hmm. I Again, I prefer queer, much like you. It's a political statement. It uh, is very inclusive, kind of pulls all of us in the non heteronormative Mm -hmm. culture into one defiant group right and it's it it just kind of more fully encapsulates human sexuality to me and i i agree i i know that's something that we talked about before is to me some of these labels operate on a heteronormative scale and that's what i don't like because I've run into it before just telling people, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm I'm gay, you know. But then if I'm happen to meet a guy I'm attracted to, oh, well, yeah, look who changed teams. Mm-hmm. It's always mm-hmm. this weird, well, now you're straight again or if you're bi, well, you're are what are you half straight? Yeah. No. I'm wh- whoever the hell is walking down the street, are they attractive? Am I attracted to them? Do I like them? Do I like their personality? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to me it just and it's just exhausting to be constantly put in that and I mean even just growing up I didn't realize I mean it didn't matter my my mom didn't really talk that much about gay straight whatever back then because nobody really did and you know the 90s and 2000s other than like oh yeah that's your gay cousin like nobody knew what that Mm -hmm. meant you know what I mean it just wasn't really talked about but it's like growing up when I look back, I don't I don't see like a time that I'm like, oh yeah, when I was five, this happened or blah, blah, blah. It's just, I don't personally have that experience, but I, I know a lot of people do and that's fine. But I think it's just kind of hard to look back and say, oh, this is the moment I knew I was different. But are you different or is this just a structure that we've built to make people feel different? And that, that came about and and between my middle school and high school years, I had a group of friends who all ousted me 
because they thought I was a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I, f- I was like, wait, what? I have a boyfriend, you know, like, yeah. which is still not a valid reason. Yeah. But it's like, why, as a society, do we create these weird structures and barriers that make you lose friends for who you're, who you're sexually attracted to? Who cares? Right. I mean, me coming on to a woman or me coming on to a man, regardless or or anyone in between. Mm-hmm. I'm like I said, I don't, <laughs> I don't discriminate. <laughs> but on as an equal opportunity I, lover, I am. But how if if they do not reciprocate that, it doesn't matter what their gender is or isn't. Mm-hmm. If it's not reciprocated, it's not reciprocated, and that's where it ends. Yeah. So why does it matter? Yeah. It kind of is perfectly encapsulated by. Go take a look at what chimpanzees will do in a group if you put a group of chimpanzees together. And they begin doing all sorts of sexual manners of things to all sorts of members of the group all at once with no discrimination based on gender or hierarchical Mm -hmm. roles. We are no different from the great apes with the exception of we can have consensual conversations about where we would like to go and it's i don't know about you but literally every time i've been in a situation where there has been a large enough populations of human beings for a long enough time people begin to partner and Mm -hmm. thruple and all of those things up because as we are doing human things together especially if we're bonding especially if there's something going on that we're sharing together one of those natural things that comes up is sexual gratification right. of one another. Mm-hmm. And this this goes to something that I always throw back at folks when they say, oh, well, I'm straight, I'm straight, I'm straight. Everybody, remember the whole back in college, everybody gets a pass because you're in college. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that differentiated you from being in college to you being out in the, quote, real world. The only thing doing that is an illusory society built mm-hmm. blinder to it. Right. Nobody, well, I don't want to invalidate anybody's experience, but I've yet to meet anybody that's purely straight. Just my two cents. Uh, that being said, again, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this, how when you begin to label someone, then they begin to feel these expectations mm-hmm to act in a certain way or to behave mm-hmm. or to uh, enact certain sexual desires one way or not and not to another right. way. Right. And it's one reason I really reject it, the mm-hmm. labeling of myself. Mm-hmm. It is because I will love whoever I love right. at the times I choose to love them. Right. Uh, and for God's sake, let people love who they want to love. Right. And I think that 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 weird structure, that weird Christian structure that has been created Mm -hmm. that enforces these roles and these structures and labels, it's so, it's limiting to everyone. I mean, even if you consider yourself straight and you're anti-gay or anti-bi people or whatever, first of all, grow up. But second of all, (laughs) I mean, why would you want to limit yourself? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to say, like, it's fine to identify straight. That, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But why would you want to say that if someone of the same gender mm-hmm. happened to come about who you all of a sudden have feelings for or are attracted to, 
why would you want to fight with yourself internally of saying, well, no, I'm straight. No, I'm straight. No, that that's, that's not, I can't do that because I'm straight. Then I'll be a lesbian all of a sudden. No, you won't. Mm-hmm. You're just mm-hmm. a human being. Yeah. It's normal. Yeah. I mean, for me, maybe it's just because I'm queer that I don't get it. But like, why would you only want to have sexual experiences with one gender? Yeah. I mean... Spoiler alert. <laughs> like... All humans are good at sex. Right. Like, everyone's hot. <laughs> so why... I, I just... I mean, everybody obviously has to do what they're most comfortable with and, and feel is best for them. But it's like, why would you want to limit yourself your whole life? Especially, you know, you're a more open-minded person. And as you've said, that has made you better. Mm-hmm. But also practice... Yeah. makes you better yeah. <laughs> you know and i yeah. i mean i'm not i haven't had tons of sexual experiences so i can't really comment but it's i feel like the more open-minded you are with your sexuality and what you're comfortable with as far as communicating with other people better sex you're gonna have mm-hmm. oh a hundred ten thousand percent <laughs> i'm just kind of humorously going over the bloopers reel in my head of like <laughs> no as as i expanded the the total number of times i've had sex it's expanded the number of partners that i've had sex with it's expanded the the type and mm-hmm. kind and personality of partners that i've been with uh, which I should note that when I say partners, I don't mean necessarily people I've had a relationship with. Right. Although we'll put a pin in that one and come back mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, sex is like any other skill. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. You can take you know measures to be safe about it and prevent yourself from coming to injury or illness as a regard. You know. Right. And it's like you said. Why would I limit myself mm-hmm. to? one set experience it'd be like saying i'm only ever going to have missionary style sex for the rest of my life for the sake of procreation what why (laughs) yeah there's lots of cool stuff to do that's that's a very (laughs) limiting kind of view to have and you you hit the nail on the head it comes from a christian mostly in this country but abrahamic in general Mm -hmm. religious view of Mm -hmm. there are right kinds of sex and wrong kinds of sex right and whilst I respect everybody's right to their religion, I am going to poke back at that a little bit. And, you know, really, my conception of God is a much kinder, gentler God than somebody that doesn't want me to have, to enjoy organs that that God gave me. Right. So, yeah, I, I think we've really internalized in our culture a very shameful view of sex, mm-hmm. that it's some, somehow dirty... Right. Um, and I think this goes to why people end up jumping into relationships with people they have good sex with. Mm-hmm. Is it becomes sort of a shared secret. Right. Even if it's an open secret. Right. Yeah. I mean, because those boundaries and, and things that are put in place that make people think like, oh, I, I need to only have sex with people I'm committed to or in a relationship with or I don't want my numbers to get too high. It's like in the scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think those boundaries that have been enforced on us really limit us for what we are willing to experience and, and who we're willing to experience it with. Because like you said, you have good sex with someone and suddenly you're like, well, uh, now we need to date. Mm-hmm. Why? 
I mean, yeah, if you have a physical sexual attraction and an emotional attraction and it works well for you, I guess that's great. But I think a lot of people do jump into relationships just because of that. And it's like just because you experience good sex with someone doesn't mean that you're going to have a great relationship. Yeah. If you do, great. But yeah. it's it's not the end-all, be-all. And I think if people felt more comfortable and confident exploring that, you would have happier relationships mm-hmm. and you would have more sexually gratifying relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the some of the best sex that I ever had was just friends. Yeah. People that I knew I could trust and people that I knew I could communicate with. And there wasn't that expectation of a relationship riding on it the mm-hmm. whole time. Right. Which... Not to go too far off the rails, but start having sex before you all start dating. Like, I get that, that that probably doesn't mean as much now as it did 10 years ago, but it's really crucial that you guys get a feel for what each other's like in bed before you start committing to the idea that you're only going to be in bed with somebody. Especially marriage. Good God. I mean, I know the Bible and all that, but like, please... Please don't commit to uh, spending your life with someone who you have not slept with. That is a recipe for resentment and disaster. Yep. So, uh, yeah, just just don't do that. I know <laughs> we're going to get canceled on episode yeah. two, but I mean, uh, just explore more, yep. I guess, is what we're getting at. Yep. And it's it's hard because there are so many emotional boundaries that have been instilled in us when it comes to this stuff for me i mean i know we've talked about emotional attraction versus sexual attraction mm-hmm. and i mean it, it's just kind of hard because i think that you have to kind of find a balance because that's really been instilled in us like full disclosure self credit i mean i am not good with intimacy mm-hmm. i'm not good I'm good at emotionally connecting with people, but I find it hard to transition that into a trusting sexual relationship with people. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's my biggest issue. I'm I'm sitting here telling people, yeah, go fuck around. And I'm like, oh God, no, I'm going to sleep with my dogs for the rest of my life and no one else is allowed. But it's, I think there's these hurdles that have been put in our minds from, from past trauma and experience and just society in general that it makes it kind of hard to get over that sure i uh do also believe that one of the ways we start to get over that is by getting up on the bicycle yeah you know and that's not me sitting here you know uh critiquing or anything it's just i'm a firm believer that you get better at it by doing it and you know find people that you can vibe with Find people that are safe partners who Mm. respect your space, who respect, you know, which, by the way, you can withdraw consent at any time. That's important. Right. But, uh, you know, I guess where I'm coming from is even more, let's push back on this idea that it in and of itself is a special or sacred Mm -hmm. or to be set apart thing when... No, it's about as human as eating or peeing right. or, you know, drinking yeah. water. Like, it's it's something that 
just naturally comes about. Like I was saying, if you get a group of people together and they're lo- together long enough, mm-hmm. they will begin to start having sex. And it's right. it's anybody's guess right. as to what yeah. the uh, potential couplings, throuplings, quadruplings, or <laughs> however many people, you know, however it works right. out. It's anybody's guess. Right. And, you know, I just want to come out at, at safe, sane, consensual, and go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, find a friend. They get these wonderful things called fuck buddies. Get you one. Do your practice and uh, get an appreciation. Get an appreciation for what you like. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's an important thing. I mean, you have to know what you like in order to communicate what you want. I think that's another big thing too, as far as the heteronormative dynamic of the man is a the aggressor and b the person who's supposed to be satisfied Mm -hmm. and i think that's a big unevenness within our society as far as placing value on sex of you know most of the time the man finishes Mm -hmm. but the the non-male partner Mm -hmm. well uh did you enjoy it yeah i guess (laughs) like that's i mean that's And it's unfortunate because I think that with like our age group and people who are more open to new sexual experiences and identities, it's better. But I think still as far as like being valued in society, a non-male orgasm just, it's, it's like, oh, luck of the draw. Like, and it's like, no, work for that shit. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'll, I'll come back at it with another challenge to the male listeners who are listening to this because that's the expected dynamic if you want to be a good person if you want to be a person that focuses on liberation you have to challenge that dynamic and that starts in your relationships it starts with you so you know dust off the old uh, face saddle and tell her (laughs) hop up on pop because you know I, I get it Society has really oriented around the orgasm to be the the end all be all, but there's a lot of sex that goes on, and that right. organ- orgasm is a tiny piece of it. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously that that's a good thing to orgasm, but yeah, I mean, the whole point is, if an orgasm lasts a minute mm-hmm. and you're having sex for two hours, you can have a lot of enjoyment and fun mm-hmm. in that two hours instead mm-hmm. of focusing just on reaching yeah. that point especially i mean we might as well dive into it as far as masturbation mm-hmm. so many men if if that's kind of what they're doing in the meantime yeah. if that's your only goal when you get back in bed with a partner that's going to be your only goal and yeah. how are you how are yeah. you going to satisfy your partner if that's your only goal yeah, yeah well and it it speaks to me it speaks to how culturally that has been the centered goal the male mm-hmm. pleasure is right. the centered goal because right. you can see even representations of masturbation male versus female in our media oh big time where the man it's very clear what his goal is right. he's going for ejaculating being quote, right. finished mm-hmm. and you know moves on with his existence a woman and, and this is just not that it's portrayed healthily, but that it's, it is at least portrayed. But uh, 
women's masturbation is often portrayed as self-love, mm. which is what all masturbation right. should, should ascribe right. to. It, yeah. It's a uh, journey about learning about yourself, right. what feels good for you, um, you know, and this is coming at it, at it from a male standpoint, so this is pretty exclusively oriented, what I'm about to say is pretty exclusively oriented towards the male comrades listening, but don't get obsessed with when you're going to rub one out. Uh, your orgasm pursuit should not be your whole life drive. Mm -hmm. uh, and like I said, take masturbation as self-love, not as itching a scra or scratching an itch or right. feeding, you know, a hungry spot. Like this is something that you are having sex with yourself. Right. So treat yourself well. Treat yourself, yeah. you know, as you would hopefully treat a partner. Right. Society has placed so much on sex other than, like, have healthy consensual sex. <laughs> yeah. Like, everything else is, is burdened onto sex and burdened onto us other than just, yeah, have safe, healthy sex. Yeah. Like, and that's really as simple as what it really needs to come down to is just that. Like, find someone you're attracted to. Both of you are consenting adults. Well, like you said, sane, safe, consensual, Amen. go wild. I mean, Amen. why not? It's it's just, it seems like we have just created so many structures and barriers that we don't need to have. Now, as far as personal barriers, that's a whole different ballpark. Yep. I mean, obviously, consent is the number one, number one thing, but... It's weird that we have a society that is so heavily sexualized, but we don't talk about sex. Yeah, yeah. It's seen as this dirty, quiet thing that we're not supposed to be discussing out in the open, yeah. and it just does. It's just so backwards. Well, and I, I think what that ends up doing is sort of like. Uh forbidden fruit to it mm -hmm. right you know because we won't discuss it because people don't find partners that are people they can trust mm -hmm. you know because things like friendships there's this hard line drawn because y'all can't manage not to fall in love with people you having sex with but that's a whole other episode sometime but because we set all these weird little distinctions around it it's become simultaneously both taboo to speak on, mm -hmm. but also this sort of undercurrent obsession that runs through all of our culture. Because mm -hmm. very few people are, you know, I think it's like 67% of women didn't have an orgasm in the last two months. Which is like, bro, and with straight women, by the way, guys, it's like 82%. So y'all need to be doing a much better job <laughs> than what you're fucking currently doing but anyway it, it, it provides this sort of dichotomy of like it is simultaneously both super desirable mm -hmm. and taboo right. it is simultaneously both like right all there all omnipresent mm -hmm. and nowhere to be seen once it's really time to talk about right healthy dynamics right. the best that they hope for is oh well abstinence only self mm -hmm. sex education that mm -hmm. was my sex ed experience yeah was they told us, keep it in your pants. That's the only way to, Just you know. Ignorant. Wait, uh, <laughs> well, I had a baby at 17, well, so you'll see, you know. Yeah. yeah. But 
Yeah, it is. It's just, and I think that is where issues like violence against sex workers and homophobia come about because everything is so hypersexualized, but then you put boundaries on it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, sex is great, but not that kind of sex, or mm-hmm. not if you're having sex for this reason or that reason. I mean, why does it matter? Yeah. What's the difference? And instead, you're you're using these boundaries to create violence and these these structures that don't need to be in place that are harming people. Mm-hmm. You can't have a society that's so sexualized and that drives everything, but then simultaneously have a society that says, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like the way you're mm-hmm. doing that, so uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. hurt you. I mean, why do we allow for that? Yeah. Well, and to kind of give it a Marxist perspective, I think part of that comes from there's the idea of productive sex and the idea of unproductive sex. Yeah. In that within the confines of a monogamous relationship where you guys will reproduce the working class, they're all right. they're all for that. Right. You know, they're really for encouraging people to couple, have more babies take care of those babies, uh, remain seeking your actualization elsewhere, but reproducing the class. Now, the minute you stop being one of those, quote, productive members of sexualized society, Mm -hmm. say, uh, you know, uh, lesbian women, they are not viewed as humans, and that comes partially from they're not helping to do that reproductive work. Mm -hmm. They're not getting a husband up, putting his boots on for free, feeding him for free, getting him out the door. Right. Um, gay men, same way. Mm-hmm. They're not viewed as a productive sexual member. Now, in we've seen in neoliberalism, mm-hmm. it's been opened up. That's where bit. I was going to say, I think that's where the, the line changes as far as timeline goes because I, I can understand from a, a working-class Marxist perspective back then, but now when you fast-forward... Poor people of all types are being given shitty health care and shitty treatment to not reproduce. So now in the neoliberal perspective, it's not that we want to replenish the working class. It's we want to replenish the elite class. Mm-hmm. And I think that's Absolutely. where it kind of changes now in the sense of if, for for example, if an, like an underprivileged black woman, if she has five kids... Well, oh, I bet she gets Link, and I bet she lives off the system, and oh, mm-hmm. how many dads do they have? Suddenly all these stereotypes are are mm-hmm. forced onto her, mm-hmm. that she's some sexual deviant because mm-hmm. of the fact that she had so many kids. But you've got old Martha down the street mm-hmm. who has kids her clown pockets just <laughs> popping them right out, but they're good, you know, Trump-loving, hard-working <laughs> Christian boys. <laughs> So that makes it okay. So it's like these weird standards of not only as far as sexual identity, but race and class, of course, play yep. into it as well, of what sexually is acceptable and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, and the same example, you know, a guy, if, if you look at a young black man, oh, well, how many kids does he have? Mm-hmm. How many baby mamas? But, you know, uh, Edward down the street's been cheating on his wife for 20 years, yeah. but... It's mostly kept under wraps, yeah. so it's fine. Yeah. Well, just to kind of give a bit of a d- dirty family history of mine, uh, I had a great uncle who had two families. 
he had his family here, and then mm-hmm. he had his other family down in southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. And for our viewers who don't know, totally a white dude. So he was white as white. <laughs> uh, and yet that never got brought up, mm-hmm. you know. And talking about the neoliberal context, that's where we get this idea of welfare queens from. Mm-hmm. That's when the shift of viewing poor folk as just poor folk to viewing poor folk as, well, mostly black folk mm-hmm. in the context of America. And this this sort of further reinforces other tropes and racist stereotypes that are, that are long extant. Right. Uh, that, that things like comparing black women to breeding animals mm-hmm. or comparing um, other minorities to vermin where they're just, oh, you'd never know when they're just fornicating all the time, jiggling their asses, seducing white folk, of blah, blah, blah. And you see these things played out in in modern cultural tropes. Yeah, I remember do. there was a Taylor Swift song, um, Shake It or something, but the video for it features a bunch of hypersexualized black women mm-hmm. and black men in positions that are very clearly meant to evoke thoughts only of their sexual nature, mm-hmm. only of the value that their body has. Right. And it's, uh, it's worth noting that these things exist so that we can combat them not only in how we talk, but mm-hmm. how we act and know that we are already fighting against a narrative that's been beat into our heads. Yeah. yeah. So. Racism and homophobia, I think both, are things that actively have to be worked on because we are taught from society and the media for so long that... Black people are hypersexualized. Mm-hmm. Gay people are hypersexualized, mm-hmm. and and in both instances, often seen as bad. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, internalized homophobia is something that I'm I'm sure you've dealt with. I've dealt with it. It's and it's it's not that you think that gay people are bad because we know they're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know there's no difference, but society has placed these boundaries on us for so long, and these these implications that we are less than somehow just because of who we are. And it's, and it's hard because of where we are right now, because we have moved along a lot, but there's still other people who have not. Yeah. So it's like, while I'm aware that there's nothing wrong with me, I still feel at times almost like, like, a burden to people around me because they have to deal with secondary homophobia. Mm -hmm. I know that friends of mine have acquaintances or coworkers or whoever else that are homophobic. And by extension, they have to deal with the dirty looks or the comments or the the uncomfortableness that is attached to them because of me. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm the only bisexual or queer person that they know, mm-hmm. they carry that uncomfortableness. And I, and I know that's not my fault. It's society's fault. And it's those people's fault for not realizing like, hey, this shit doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it's a weird kind of spot to be put in that you know that something that you have no control over, whether it be race or gender identity or sexual identity, it almost feels burdensome to the people around you. And I think that's part of what kind of keeps us, keeps people in the closet. Yeah. It's not just fear of rejection of yourself, but also 
burden on other people that you care about. And it's, it's gross that our society still to this day enforces these racist and homophobic stereotypes because we're still just seen as that. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times do you turn on the TV and a Latina woman is, you know, she's the maid or she's this or yeah. that. And it's just these stereotypes that are just constantly reinforced. Yep. Yep. And I mean, I'm kind of getting off track as far as sexual identity because it does apply. Mm-hmm. The struggle of sexual identity applies to racism and classism as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's hard and it's shitty because it shouldn't fucking be hard. Yeah, it shouldn't. Yeah. It shouldn't matter. We should be able to sleep with or be romantically involved with whoever the hell we want, and it shouldn't matter. But yeah, yeah it uh, it's just wild to me. It's it's just wild to me uh, that something that is very clearly an important part of our existence Mm -hmm. has been so legislated Mm -hmm. has been so so commodified yeah you know it's been we we just need to i guess when it comes to sex or anything else just kind of let go a little bit more and try to i think any relationship any kind of interaction with anyone else consider other people's viewpoints communicate, Mm -hmm. make sure that, you know, I mean, I understand that there's this selfish notion of like, we need to do what's best for ourselves. And I agree. But there's also a level of communication that has to come about Mm -hmm. no matter what kind of relationship you're in, whether it be sexual or emotional or anything else. Communication is just, you just have to have it. And I think, I think we need to talk about these things. I don't agree with talking about them just for the sake of talking yeah. about them. I think that we need to create a discourse and a safe place for people to air their their issues that they have as far as problems with sex. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a big thing too, is just if you don't feel comfortable sharing how you feel with people, mm-hmm. emotionally or sexually, it's not going to be a gratifying relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. And I uh, I agree with making safe places for these to be dis- these things to be discussed because I think it also plays, it intersects with healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a, a tr- long tradition as humans of venereal disease, STIs. Mm-hmm. And one of the most insidious parts of it, about it is the stigma against yes. it leading to people to infect many more par- partners than they otherwise would have. I know people who will tell me, oh, I've never been tested. And to them, it's a point of pride. And to me, that's a concerning it's healthcare dumb. statistic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, and it's like saying, don't know if my car will blow up. Right. I just assume it doesn't. Right. It works okay, yeah. so it should be fine. I hope this gun is not loaded. Right. It's, you know. Yeah, I'd, I'm glad you brought that up because that is definitely a big stigma issue is with mm-hmm. STIs. Is, I mean, we're, we're all having sex. Mm-hmm. STIs exist. I mean, I'm not saying you have to go around telling everybody your business, but if it's someone you're intimate with, I mean, you need to communicate so that you're not out spreading it around. Yep. Get, yep. get help. 
get the health care that you need to help combat that or whatever you need to do. But yeah, communicate, number one, because there is that stigma and there is that weird mindset of, well, I don't need to get tested because I'm clean, yeah. quote unquote, as they call it, which get rid of that. Yeah. Don't call people yeah. dirty for their past experience or for anything that they might have caught. Don't just, you're not dirty for having mm-hmm. a health care issue because when you break it down, that's what it is. We have to get rid of that dirty, clean mindset. Yeah. You ha- If you have experience with an STI, okay, but communicate that. Yeah. That's really all it needs to come yeah. down to. Yeah. It's, def- it's a health care issue. It's uh, it's one that needs to be viewed through exclusively that lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it doesn't have to have a morality injected into it. I think that's right. a big issue with our fucking culture is the consistent... Oh, well, something's got to be good or bad. Mm. No, some things can just be. Right. They don't need the moral judgment. You can reserve that part. Yeah. Uh, and especially with STI testing. Also, anybody listening to this, just go get tested. Nowadays, it's a blood stick. It's not, you know, the culture swabs that they used to have to do. It's, it's really simple, mostly painless. Just go get tested, and then you can know, right. hey, I'm currently negative for all this stuff. But guess what? You got to get retested every right. partner. I'm sorry, right. guys. I don't make the rules. Right. I just enforce them. Yeah. Sex yeah. police. <laughs> Sex police. Watch out. But yeah, well, I mean, I think that we, we kind of, well, we went off the rails, but I mean, we kept, the train kept moving, yeah. so it's fine. Uh, so yeah, I think we covered pretty much everything. We'll be back sometime. I don't want to. I don't want to schedule weekly yeah. uh, episodes because it puts too much pressure. You on You guys us, will get us whenever you get us. Yeah, when we have time, we'll be around. So thanks for listening. Thanks, See you next guys. time. See ya.